Andrew Henderson is a creator, nomad capitalist, that the motto is go where you are treated best. And he has been helping seven, eight feet clients to design a lifestyle, to find multiple citizenships, and then to achieve ultimate freedom that they can go wherever they are treated the best. And in today's interview, Matt and I, we have prepared so many questions. We're going to ask him about plan B, multiple citizenship, and is it worth it? And why you should start to look into the world as your oyster rather than the place you are born. So let's get into this episode. Hello, Andrew. Welcome to Fast Track Money. Great to have you back. You're on the Fast Track podcast and now the audience can see your face and this is the video session. And my whole experience. Yes, correct. (laughs) Today we are going to talk about second passport, global mobility, freedom, using money as a tool to achieve freedom and also tax. And Matt, Mm -hmm. uh, I know that you have already prepared a lot of questions. Maybe I pass on the uh, Mac to you. Thank you so much, Yasi. Yeah, it's wonderful to have you here, Andrew. And maybe for our audience, the first thing is probably like a nomad capitalist. Who are you? How did you become the nomad capitalist? Like, how did you grow into this kind of role? What what motivated you to learn more and to, to talk about what you do? Well, I come from a family in Ohio in the United States. Um, I've since left the United States. I'm since no longer a U.S. citizen, but I still resonate with a lot of the values in Ohio. You know, I learned a lot about hard work. I learned about starting a business. I was fortunate. While I didn't inherit anything, um, you know, I learned uh, from my family, you know, what some of the principles of success are. And so we had Robert Kiyosaki at our conference last or earlier this year. You know, some of that kind of stuff. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all the things that successful people do. I had the opportunity to meet successful people when I was younger, and I learned uh, that I wanted to start a business. So I dropped out of college, and uh, basically <laughs> followed the, the the principles that my father had 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 said when I was twelve years old. He said, "Listen, you should go where you're treated best." You don't have to stay in one city, one state, one country if that's not the place that works for you. And he was mentioning the context of seeing the writing on the wall where entrepreneurs and people who were starting businesses, once they become successful, were becoming pilloried. I mean, 1996, it was a little bit compared to now. Now it's out of control. Uh, He said, don't stick around for that. He said, don't stick around because you think your family uh, you know, needs you to take care of them. We'll, we'll take care of ourselves. You go take care of yourself. So I started um, a couple of different businesses, namely in the broadcasting industry, and uh, realized that I was paying a lot of taxes, very high tax rate in the U.S. Pretty much I didn't like living there, um, you know. And then I, you know, I was traveling the world and I realized, you know, there are different good places for everything. I resonate with people more in other places. I like the lifestyle more. I like the personal freedom more in different places. And I started to realize that you can diversify your affairs around the world to where uh, you have a place that you live, or now I have multiple places where I live, but I may or may not be a citizen. I have citizenships elsewhere that leave me alone, something that the US citizenship does not really allow you to do. I have a business incorporated in several different places that uh, is very friendly from a tax and and from a hassle perspective, even more importantly, uh, we hire people around the world. So really, you know, treating the world as this very competitive place that it wasn't back in the 90s, the 80s, certainly the 50s or 60s that many people are still living in, go where you're treated best is the mantra. You, uh, that's beautiful. Uh, I think Yasi also worked in about eight countries. I was in three to four countries myself. So I think we understand that. 
uh, mm -hmm. part for our audience, maybe if, if you have never lived abroad or you never worked abroad and you hear now this uh, broadcast with you, what do you think should be their thought about it, right? Should they, should they aim for a certain country or just how should they go about optimizing that from a first step approach? Like if you're at the well, beginning of your life, of your yeah. life. Well, I, I think it does depend on where you are in your life. And so, I mean, if you are young, what I've been saying for almost 10 years, um, I started this with uh, some capital. Um, I run a business now that has obviously produced more capital. But, you know, when I started this, I had the opportunity to uh, take a little more slowly. I would suggest if you're just starting out, um, you know, maybe you don't need to go to school. Uh, if you want to be an entrepreneur, I, I didn't uh, last very long in university. And so go to some of the most frontier markets. I just interviewed Jim Rogers recently. He's bullish in Africa. I talked to all these big investors. I mean, there are markets that no one is even talking about. And if you do things that others aren't willing to do, you'll get what others aren't willing to get. If you go to Laos, if you go to Cambodia, I've got friends in Cambodia, even Vietnam still has some potential. If you go to places, again, Africa, you know, here in South America, where I am now, you know, the Bolivias of the world, Ecuador, perhaps, there is still a lot of movement. I mean, there's stories of guys who went to Cambodia, opened a bloody ice cream shop and they became multimillionaires by just opening up ice cream shops. I mean, how did that work out in the U.S. when the Froyo revolution came along? Well, those people probably uh, went BK. So there's a lot of opportunity in those places. Now, if you're a little bit older as I am or even older, uh, I simply say, listen, you have to be self-aware and understand uh, what it is that you're looking for. Uh, you're probably not going to go to Laos. Uh, you're probably not going to go to Cambodia. But are you willing to go to Malaysia where people are nice? pretty good standard of living, maybe not quite some of the creature comforts or cultural comforts that you're used to. Are you going to go to Singapore? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'm going to go through a bit more hassle and pay a little bit more tax, but I'll go to Ireland or I'll go to the UK and they have incentive programs. So I think, you know, taking awareness. But but what I would say is, um, I had a friend in Chicago, he just sent me, you know, last week, six crimes, like six different shooting sprees or something like that in Chicago in one day. Uh, realize that when you actually do an objective analysis, whether you're young, whether you're old, your country is not number one in probably almost anything. Uh, if you're from the United States, it's number one in prisoner population per capita. Uh, it is not the wealthiest country in the world, as all the politicians like to tell you. It is not the best, other than perhaps you like it the most, but you haven't seen anything else. And so I think taking awareness of how far you're willing to go, what your desired uh, you know, metrics are, that's why I would look at it. Mm. I really like what you just said with Jim Rogers. So Jim Rogers, I read his books, right? So the adventure capitalist, he he drove around the planet with a motorcycle, the second tour with a with a car. And he yep. said, if you just fly everywhere, you will not see what's going on on the ground. Like go and feel and see, not just read from your books from far away. I think if you're young, you've never traveled. Uh, probably my advice would be number one, go travel, see something different, right? And then if you like the ice cream example you brought is also perfect right uh in other places certain businesses have much less competition you could be a, a small fish where you come from but you could become the biggest fish somewhere else because you are different right you stand out and um with that i think there's so many different uh domiciles you could actually look at with that comes citizenships or like where you could live where you could do things the world is your oyster right like you say go where you're treated best would you um, kind of, uh, what, what do you think about passports? Like how many uh, passports or citizenships should somebody 
be looking at in a in an average life? Is there a number, or how do you think what about? What is the that? ideal number to have? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know there's an ideal number. Here's the purpose of a second passport, right? Is you want to protect yourself. Now, I've been talking to people that I'm working with on the three main categories, and I say, how do you, you know what percentage do you allocate to each of these three? Your mm -hmm. finances, your freedom. And your lifestyle. So again, you know, I've I've been visiting Ireland, for example, for 12 or 13 years. I've spent a lot of time there. I think it's a fantastic place from a lifestyle perspective. I just feel nice when I go there. So that's lifestyle. How important is, is that to you? And so suppose, you know, if you have an Irish passport or an EU or EEA passport, you can go and you can you can live in Ireland. You have access to securing that lifestyle. Um, from a financial point of view, you know, is your country treating you well? Now you can if you're Canadian, if you're Swiss, if you're German, if you're you know, whatever else, you can leave your country. The process may be easier, difficult to extricate yourself from their tax system. If you're an American, you cannot extricate yourself from the tax system until you have expatriated uh, and given up your U.S. citizenship. Uh, now, I think more Western countries are going to follow the U.S. in some form or fashion and start taxing people who don't live there. We see what they're talking about, the global minimum tax for big companies. I think next will be individuals of Western countries. So finances are important. Your freedom is the one that most people right now are telling me this is important. There's politicians in Canada saying if you don't do X, Y, Z, we may not renew your passport. Let's put that in place. Um, you know, we've seen how the pandemic has restricted travel. Mm -hmm. uh, and yet, you know, um, having certain passports means you could go certain places. Um, I had a home in Malaysia because I wasn't there as an American. I could have come back on my residence permit, whereas an American couldn't have. So how many do you need? Again, I think you want to have self-awareness. Um, you probably don't want to go out and just haphazardly for the average person do it. I am the R&D, uh, the human R&D machine. And so I do it. I enjoy it. You know, I also never felt I had a home in the U.S. And so for me, it's like, well, let me try and find the place where I, I fit in. Uh, so I think when I put together the ultimate plan B, it was having some kind of low tax EU or EEA passport. If you're fortunate enough as you are, you're from Switzerland. Okay. You're covered. That's a difficult passport to get Liechtenstein, Andorra, Monaco, all quite difficult. You could get the Malta citizenship by investment. You could work your way towards Portugal. I think those countries are small enough. They're not going to be as nasty as the Spains, the Frances, what have you, uh, having some kind of tax-free country passport probably means in the Caribbean, mm -hmm. you've got something like an Antigua, St. Kitts. Um, theoretically, some of the other ones could be tax-free as well. Uh, you've also got something that's pretty personal freedom-oriented, something in Eastern Europe. Um, there aren't that many that are widely available, but depending on what you do and who you are, there's there's could be some available. So the non-EU Eastern Europe, where they're just like, hey, man, life goes on. Uh, and then I would say I would probably have residence permits in places in Asia. I think South Korea, Malaysia, Thailand, Singapore could all be good. You're not going to become a citizen of those countries. And even if you could, generally speaking, you'd have to renounce your other citizenships and there goes the portfolio. So I think yeah. if I'm putting together the perfect portfolio, <laughs> like that's this it. One. you know what? Latin America could be one too. Yeah. So there's, a, there's a lot there. <laughs> You have to be careful and strategic about what you take first, right? That you have the one first that is probably the hardest to get and build it from there, that you don't put the other things at risk. So, well, yeah, right. So sometimes there are like treaties where like you can be a dual citizen, but you have to have certain passports or if your wife has it or something, there, there's different things that go on. Listen, obviously, if you're like German or Dutch, you're going to have a harder time doing this or Singaporean, mm -hmm. Chinese, you're going to have a harder time doing this. So you might look at residences or permanent residences that let's say Germany opens up, you know, dual citizenship to a greater extent in the future, as Norway recently did, as Georgia recently did, then you can go and claim those citizenships. So that's another consideration.
Mm -hmm. if, if you are a parent would you would you also look at how to like teach your kids about it or like if i know some people they are very strategic at where to give birth to their yeah. children and that right yeah. what, what kind of stories would you have on this because i think that's highly interesting some people are so strategic yeah well we have a, a friend who uh, gave birth to one of his children in costa rica and so most countries in the americas and i think fiji and uh, at one point, Pakistan, I don't, I don't know, because I don't think anyone was queuing up for that one, sadly. But, you know, most countries in the Americas, uh, Barbados, I think, is an exception. Colombia is an exception. Um, Chile, if you're not a resident. But, you know, most of these countries, you could just go and have your child. So if you look at, you know, Brazil, Panama, as you, uh, you know, we were talking about, Mexico. Panamanian. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, I think, by the way, I think one of the things about your passport portfolio is realized which ones you're more public about and which ones you're more private about. Um, so those are three good countries in the Americas where you can give birth and you can citizenship. Portugal, by the way, if you're a resident for one year now, they recently changed it. You can give birth as a resident on Portuguese soil if you want your kid to be EU. Listen, you know, no one ever complains to the diplomats and the government workers who go around the world that their kids are having a bad experience. I think that taking your kids around the world, and this is the conversations I have in my own family these days, is it's a very good thing to do. It gives them a lot of experience. There's there are other kids everywhere. There are schools everywhere. There are tutors mm -hmm. you can hire. Uh, there are friends to be made everywhere. There are languages to be learned. And, you know, I do think you probably want to be a little bit careful. One thing people ask is like with the Caribbean citizenships, they often don't pass down. You need to pay extra. Oh, yeah. It's not just, yeah, it's not just like, you know, it, it passes down. You know, uh, I've talked about getting a Comoros passport. I, you know, I don't know if I have a child and I have a wife and I have me and we have enough passports and they're born. You know, I'm probably not going to go through the hassle to do that because it, it confuses people. Um, but, you know, I think that putting together a strategic portfolio of, again, EU, non-EU, uh, tax-free, maybe Latin America, where you have the freedom. This region, Latin America, I think could be great. Uh, yeah. So, Yeah. May, may I ask, just out of curiosity, if, if you don't want to share, okay, how many passports do you have at the moment? Uh, Plus uh, permit. I'm Plus looking at a couple things. Uh, I don't know, it's like five. You know, I had the U.S. passport and I get rid of the U.S. passport and people think it's all about tax. And it's really, I mean, you know, I guess that's a side benefit, but I think a lot of people are getting rid of the U.S. passport um, just because of the hassles. Um, because, mm -hmm. I mean, for me, it was always like, you know, someone actually called me. They're like, "You sound like a dumb American, like just like an American, and then you're all dumb, basically. Uh, you're, you know, that's the accent, so you must be dumb." Yeah, it's like I don't want to be traveling around with this thing. So I think it's about five. Uh, but you know, I'm always working on stuff. I'm always working on things. But I am becoming a bit more intentional at this point, mm. uh, where it's like I'm really trying to think. South Korea, for example, I think is a great little-known residence program. You can either buy instant permanent residence, or you can work your way up to permanent residence. It won't be a citizenship. But I think that that can play a role in a passport portfolio as, all right, Southeast Asia is great, but East Asia obviously offers something a little bit different as mm. you become more successful. So uh, it's a constant mm -hmm. uh, flux. So maybe when you when you are young, you should look for something where you have less income tax of some kind, like places like Dubai, they have zero income tax, but maybe Dubai is very high cost of living. And then maybe you transform if, if you start to become an entrepreneur or something, you have to find a place where your business can be harbored. And well, then I would at flip the end, it actually. You flip it. Okay. Well, so I mean, here's the here's the question I ask myself, right? I mean, if you have a business that continually grows, we have a business that continually grows. I mean, just just set a new record this uh -huh. month. Um you know, if that's where you're going and you believe in yourself and you're going to have higher income, one of the things I looked back at myself and said, 
you know, should I have gone to live somewhere in um, Europe or, or Chile or something 12 years ago that I could have gotten on track to a really top quality passport? Mm. Okay, taking some tax hits, that was some hassle. Mm-hmm. I think once you go to saying, I'm going to pay, you know, zero to 1%, um, you know, there's an uncertain intoxication to that. Plus, as the business grows, my goal is avoiding hassle. If you, I'm happy to pay something. And I think you'll be seeing in my own personal lifestyle in the next year, I'll be paying more and I'll be gladly paying more, but it won't be with a lot of paperwork and hassle. So I think I would have rather gone and collected the passport earlier on in one of those more, what I could call TRA countries, TRA passport, and just sucked it up. So gone from 40 something percent to 10%. And then later, if you want to go to zero or one, I would do that. Um, listen, some people, uh, as, as we were talking about, they want to come in, they want to work for 10 years, put a whack of cash aside and live the fire lifestyle. Well, mm-hmm. if I'm doing that, then I'm probably going to Dubai first, then I'm doing the, the passport in Europe or somewhere else uh, after mm-hmm. I retired when my liability is lower. So it really depends on how you're trying to structure your life. But you know, when you're younger, why not take advantage when you can more easily absorb the hits? Mm. I think also some passports come with special perks like retirement systems, right? And there you have to contribute, of course, before you can take. And when you say you want to have a, a more secure retirement setup, right? One is the fire or you do it yourself. Uh, Panama, for instance, you can go for the pensionado program that uh, allows you to, you just have to prove that you have 1000 US dollars per month of side income and you get it right. It's very low hanging fruit to to go there. But other places, if you want to go there, I think uh, you mentioned Portugal or Spain, you have some uh, golden passports uh, or golden golden visa programs. Uh, Sorry, no passport, but visa program, so you can apply there. I think all these things uh, come at a later stage where then probably it becomes interesting to see once you have your nest egg working for you, right. that it doesn't take too many tax hits at the end, right? And there well, you yeah. That. yeah. Then it lasts longer, right? <laughs> or well, then- yeah, listen, I don't trust the government with my retirement. I mean, by the way, it's not always tied to citizenship. And I worked the requisite number of quarters in the United States to, to get Social Security. Now, you know, it's not going to be there. They admit that. But uh, I think I'm entitled to $1,100 a month in uh, 20, uh, you know, 82 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, in some countries, healthcare, people do ask, but healthcare oh, yeah. increasingly, you know, retirement accounts. But here's the ultimate retirement account for people I know who are still in the US who are giving away, you know, 40, 45, 50%. How about you take a little bit of that? How about you take some of that, give some to charity, you know, mm-hmm. right? do that so that because, you, you know, because the government's the most ineffective charity on earth. Take a little bit more, invest it. Take a bit more and upgrade your lifestyle because then that, that, that makes you see things. I mean, we hired our first COO this year. Now mm-hmm. I think, what does it go with a COO act like? So when you do all those things, you, you prepare yourself to new heights. Nobody says that, by the way. Your business will become bigger. Your investments will become bigger. Now, um, I, I think that's the approach that I would look at is how do I take care of myself and how do I do that? Um, I, I don't know that I'm going to countries solely to get those benefits, but uh, hey, if it comes with it, that's great. And earlier, you mentioned so many times being entrepreneurs and looking at uh, Plan B, several different passports. Yeah. Uh, let, let's just say, does it make sense for someone who doesn't have a very big net worth, let's say mm-hmm. six digit, does it make sense for them to start to looking at Plan B or it's most suitable for entrepreneurs who have their own business, they have like seven, eight figures, uh, annual, rev- uh, annual revenue? Well, you know, I think if you serve everyone, you serve no one. So what I've decided to do based on, you know, what I've done in my own life and the people that I'm with, just my own background is we work with seven and eight figure and sometimes nine and 10 figure entrepreneurs and investors. 
I have people who are in the earlier stages of, you know, they have $2 million, for example, uh, and they want to get prepared. I think they should have a plan B. Uh, but I did just talk to someone recently and it's like, hey, I got a family of four. You know, it's going to cost me about 10 percent of my net worth and about 50 percent of my salary to get citizenship in one of these Caribbean islands. And I was working for him. I'm like, do you really need this now? If you've got $2 million and you're a U.S. citizen and, you know, $2 million is the number where they really start to rake you over the coals when you leave, then maybe it is worth taking the hit. But he doesn't want to expatriate from the U.S. I said, you know what, let's go set up residence somewhere. You go and visit a week or two a year in one of these countries that's more flexible. You get your passport that way. It's not quite as guaranteed. But, you know, when you have five million bucks, there will be some program to come. I don't want you to spend 10 percent of your net worth if it's not needed. Uh, I think everyone should have some kind of plan B. And I think that the last two years has shown that. I mean, look at how so many governments from the U.S. to South Africa to the U.K. I mean, Australia, they really take the cake. Mm. They don't care about you when when times are bad, when times are good. They gladly take in your money. They gladly take it in. They they're experts at nothing else than that. You know, you go to Spain. Bars don't have wine because they haven't paid the bill sometimes at the end of the month. In a country where the bars can't replenish their wine stock, the government is an expert at tracking you down for every shekel. So they're there in the good times. When the bad times come, they left you hanging high and dry. And so I think to myself, okay, if I have enough money just to go out and get a Caribbean citizenship, get a Malta citizenship, get the residence, get the golden visa, sure, I'll do that. I think that's great. Uh, if not, I'm going to look at, can I move somewhere? Can I move down to Mexico? A lot of Americans in Mexico, great place. Um, can I move to somewhere in South America, where, as you said, it's easy. Lots of programs just show you have some income. We'll let you in. Um, some of them have tax incentives like Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Panama. So I would look at doing something else for a plan B. Now, moving is kind of more of a plan A, but maybe I'm setting up a, a paper residence, maybe moving some assets overseas. Maybe I'm doing something. And I think something begets something more. Having a bank account begets hiring a person overseas. You just start to get comfortable. And the, what from all these clients you have worked with, seven, eight figure or sometimes nine figure clients, um, they have the assets, the capability to have second, third, fourth citizenship. They have the capability to achieve freedom in a way, have this global mobility. What kind of the commonalities you have seen from those entrepreneurs who has made it who has been so successful, like the, the, the advice that I want to pass it on to our audience, you know, who are working the nine to five job, but I feel that their life is much bigger than that, but they are aspired to achieve more in life. So maybe you can share with uh, us your observations. Well, I mean, I think that uh, they stand up for themselves. I think they're confident, um, occasionally maybe even too confident, right? Um, but they're confident. I think every entrepreneur has a certain amount of, um, characteristics that people would say are negative. Um, I mean, people throw around these days all these psychological terms. If you're an entrepreneur, you've got to be a little pushy and you can't be a wallflower. Um, and listen, I, you know, I, we've got a company, we hire a lot of people. We've hired a lot of younger people over the years for stuff because we have to train someone. Nobody knows how to do this particular job. Okay, let's, let's bring someone in as a, as a blank slate. And it's sometimes hard for people to understand, like you just have to push through, man. Like you got to push through the fear. I got a thing for my birthday recently from our team. They're like, uh, the best, the best thing we've learned here is you just gotta, you just have to push through. There's, it's gonna do it. Um, and so those, these are guys who do that and they stand up for themselves and, and girls and, uh, you know, they just want to go where they're treated best. I mean, they resonate with that message. So obviously I'm talking to a subset that realizes that living in California and living on the beach and dating the California girls 
is not worth 50% because you can find the California girls or some equivalent ever anywhere. There's nice beaches anywhere. There's nice restaurants on the beaches anywhere. There's, you know, uh, guys in backwards trucker caps everywhere. You don't have to be in California for that. So, I mean, I, I, I think that who I'm talking to are people who realize, uh, again, the world is a competitive place and the government is the only thing people don't comparison shop. People, I mean, I don't do this, but how many people do you know that they cut coupons and they call different places to check prices and they price shop and do comparisons on Amazon and all this kind of stuff. And yet they're paying 40% tax. They could move to Dubai and pay 0% tax. And by the way, you go to Dubai, you ever get a Dubai residence permit? You do that, you do that medical check, you're done. Go down to the DMV one day in Los Angeles and see how that compares to uh, what they're doing in Dubai. Yeah, in Dubai, they are building a huge media center, helping um, media freelancers to found a company, get a permit, everything set up by the company. And it's so much easier to get like a permit in Dubai, paying zero tax, set up your business. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, if, sorry, let me talk about one more plan B thing, by the way. I had to deal with a guy about a year ago. He couldn't close for like six months because he couldn't get his U.S. passport. So by the way, you want some advice. I often skip over this, but I have friends who say, you know what, the, you, know what you should be telling people? get your first passport. How many people, especially in the US, don't even have one passport or it's expiring in six months? Ah, I'll take care of it. Look at what happened during this last year and a half. This is like the perfect storm for the government to not issue passports. And by the way, again, oh, now you're trapped. You can't leave for tax purposes. If you want to save your time, forget it. You can't leave or you can't renounce. It's been the case in the US. So get your first passport. Um, but I had a passport recently uh, that I was able to renew literally the same day. Uh, walk in, place the uh, request, come back, pick it up the same day. Which country? I, well, you know, uh, <laughs> but it shows that, uh, you know, there are still people say like, oh, uh, you know, I'm from the U.S. and I saw what's happening in Australia and the U.K. is not much better. So this is Andrew. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, yeah, because you're only looking at the countries that are in your in your scope, just as I'm telling 19 year olds to go to uh, Laos or, or or some equivalent. Right. And and and. It's going to be tough, by the way. It's not going to be like, you know, hanging out at, uh, at university, uh, getting laid, uh, you know, at 2 p.m. But you're going to give yourself a much better chance to be successful. In the same way, realize that if you go to some of these countries that you may have never considered, I'll even say this. We had at our conference, we published it on YouTube, a video about getting residents on Honduras. People said, I don't want to move to Honduras. I said, I never, I never said you had to move to Honduras. <laughs> and people overlooked that. And so you have to kind of get out of the paradigm that you're in. Yeah. And talking about citizenship and permit, one benefit that comes with it, I really like is the uh, possibility to invest in real estate. Sure. Mm. Well, some countries, yeah. I mean, some countries, they restrict who invests in real estate. I mean, Switzerland, right? It's very difficult to invest in real yep. estate. Europe in some areas, yeah. So you see New Zealand cracking down. I think you'll probably see more of these so-called free countries cracking down on who invests. So residents, citizens, absolutely. It gives it the chance. I know with crypto, fewer and fewer people want this kind of diversification, but gives you the chance to open a bank account pretty easily, which is not a bad thing to have, either for day-to-day -day living or for, you know, yeah. Access to stock market, access to capital markets, and so on. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you have so many homes in different countries, and uh, you made so many videos about, uh, for example, invest in Montenegro. And uh, can you share with us what are the interesting countries for real estate investment? Yeah, you know, I bought some land in Montenegro recently, and uh, that's what I'm probably, uh, I'm really debating whether I want, you know, how much I want to stay. 
Um, it's been very good to me. The taxes are good, um, but that one's up for discussion. But I do have a home in Montenegro, doing some land in Montenegro. Uh, I'm next door in Serbia. We've got a great team in Serbia. Um, I'm in Georgia. I've got uh, a couple properties in Georgia. Uh, some I've been relatively Eastern European focused in Turkey as well. Istanbul, I think, is, you know, everyone focuses on the negativity. Jim Rogers said if it's a disaster, invest in it. He, he was pro-Turkey, to my understanding, 20 years ago and says, hey, if it's a disaster, go for it. Uh, I'm in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Uh, Asia has been a little bit less accessible in the last year uh, or you, you wouldn't want to be there as much. But um, I think Malaysia has been one of the great, um, I don't want to say bargains, but, uh, you know, nice, you know, more, a little bit more laid back than Singapore, not as laid back as some of the other places, lots to do. Uh, and then I'm here in Bogota, Colombia. So we do stuff in Mexico. We do work in Armenia. We have some other people all around the globe. Uh, we're, we're moving part of the business to, to the UAE. So you know, the, the flags, as they call it, they, they span the globe. Yeah, flag theory. <laughs> And what's next for nomad capitalists? Well, I think that, you know, what we've found is a very good uh, niche in helping people who are seven and eight figure entrepreneurs. You see the rise of cryptocurrency. You know, I'm not all in on crypto, but I am in crypto. And I think it's uh, incredible. I think anything, you know, it's, it's kind of like I, I didn't agree with every single thing Donald Trump said, but I couldn't resist but being happy when he got elected as a as a middle finger to the establishment so i like middle fingers to the establishment i go to eastern europe i don't smoke but i enjoy people seeing people smoking anywhere they please i, I enjoy that so i think that what we're going to keep doing is just building on what we're doing uh we're planning our next conference we'll be releasing details on that but you know for the business nomad capitalist it is doing more of what works and doing more deep work on Uh, understanding more places. We've got a couple of potential citizenship programs we're going to be sharing with people in the near future. It's just more R&D, more of what works. For me personally, I do think after uh, a number of years of doing this, um, going back, the very beginning was like 06, 07, something like that, 08. Um, you know, I'm, I'm adding a little bit more. I'm stepping out of the, the Laos's and even the Malaysia's. I'm stepping up a little bit and probably spending some more time in, in the TRA countries going forward just from a lifestyle perspective. Um, but, uh, you know, it's continuing evolution. And I think that's people have to be under, people have to understand the world is changing. And again, uh, just as I went to my favorite empanada restaurant yesterday, and instead of having 20 different kinds of empanadas, the guy now only has two. I'm not going to go to the empanada restaurant as much anymore. I'll find another empanada restaurant. And if the next one doesn't work out after, after six months, I'll go to another one. And that's how people work in life. But for some reason, people don't want to be fluid. I love being able to go to a dozen different cities and know exactly where or more, know exactly where I'm going, know exactly who to see, what to do, where to walk, where am I staying, whether I have a home or not. You know, to me, that's valuable. And it means that you can adapt to the times, whereas so many people can't. And these times, they are a change in. Yeah, I always use um, 1% and 99%. And 99% will not make a change when situation happens and the 1% will make a change. That's why they are the 1%. Those people are the 99%. If, if there's anything I've learned from building, because uh, I always ran rather lean, I think we're a lean business, but I always ran in the United States, very lean businesses. Um, I, there's a company that I know of, their goal is to have like a thousand employees. Like that's their, they have no other goals than revenue, profit, who cares? They just want a thousand employees. I've learned building the company. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, I'm walking down by my house in Puerto Montenegro in this yacht club. 
and I'm, I'm kind of feeling sorry for myself. And I, I look at this big yacht. I said, I bet a lot more people hate that guy than, than hate, <laughs> they hate me. Like that guy deserves it. He's been through a lot of misery to get to that point, making decisions that no one else would make. And then they blame him because he has the yacht. I'm opposed to that. <laughs> yeah. You could have the yacht too. You, you chose not to. Correct. Yeah. It's yes, all yes, about what, exactly. what happens in your head. Yeah. And then nowadays, your most of are most of your clients coming from the U.S. or you know TLA countries, so also some from, let's say, Eastern Europe or Asian. What what kind of trend you are looking at now? Well, you know, things have been growing so much. I've I've really kind of postponed these expansion plans. We now have someone in Latin America because we have seen a, an increase in people from Mexico, Colombia, Argentina, uh, and to a lesser extent Brazil. Obviously, not Spanish speaking, but uh, we do want to focus on expanding more people because you know south america there's always one or two countries that are turning communist any day and so those people need help um we have an increasing number of folks from russia uh there's always kind of a, a small crowd from south uh, uh africa uh a number of folks from asia but by and large the us and canada uh to a lesser extent the uk and australia i've also seen by the way more germans more dutch and more Canadians who are saying, I'm afraid I'm going to be taxed no matter where I live. I'm afraid there's going to be severe restrictions on me. Uh, these people, even two years ago, were like, ah, I'm Dutch. I'm fine. Leave me alone. You know, what do I need this stuff for? You know, lower my taxes. Leave me alone. I literally have people calling me now and saying, maybe I don't want to be Dutch anymore. Maybe I'd rather be a citizen of Antique, tax-free Antigua. Uh, and I'll trade in my Dutch passport because they're so afraid of what's coming. You saw the elections in Germany. So uh, it is largely U.S. Canadian. Um, but it's a grab bag of so many people. And it's an interesting microcosm into what's happening in the world and how many of these uh, Western governments and, and others are just being difficult. Mm. And I think it's, it's super interesting. If you look at the concept of diversification, most people understand it. They invest in yeah. ETFs or mutual funds. Um, a few people understand also you shouldn't rely just on one source of income. So they have multiple sources of incomes. But then very few people, the, the another step is tax, tax domiciles, passports, citizenships. It's also a diversification, right? It's the same concept, just applied differently. Uh, to, and, and it can help you, right? If you have more options and you're more flexible, yeah. life most likely will be better. Or you have more, you can, yeah, more freedom and you can take ownership and say, like what you just mentioned before, when people are afraid mm -hmm. uh, that the gates are closing, you can no longer leave the country, you will be well, yeah. All that Better right. years too early than a day too late. And I'll tell you, that's what I've been preaching is options. Mm -hmm. um, people say, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about this is happening? My answer is have more options. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of what we've been doing in the last uh, year or so is people who don't want to leave their country, but they want to have a second passport or multiple second passports. Maybe they want to move some cash. They want to invest in some real estate. And by the way, maybe you can make more money doing that. Or as, or as you said, open up new opportunities. A lot of crypto folks are saying, I don't need to renounce my U.S. citizenship. I'm going to stay in the U.S., but that crypto opportunity I want to take part in that's going to go, you know, 100x, they need to see another passport besides a U.S. passport. So, you know, it's all about having options. Who knows what the situation could be? Um, and so, yeah, I think that most people, you know, the things that we've seen called conspiracy theories, some of them are now true. Uh, they said, oh, they'll never take your retirement account. But some countries did, half or all. Oh, they'll never close down the banks. That's the kind of thing that happens in Lebanon. And then it happened in Europe, not just yeah. once. 
And yet everyone says it's it's not going to happen here. Everyone thinks their country somehow has like a magic bubble around it. Nothing can happen. Uh, listen, I mean, go and look at the United States. Look at the burrito shop owner who had uh, their oh, their entire business decimated because they were accepting cash. Yeah, that's what burrito mm-hmm. shops do. People come in, they pay in cash. The government thought they were a drug lord, a drug lord or something. I mean, they, <laughs> they shut them down. So it is happening. Maybe it hasn't happened to you yet. And listen, obviously, the, the need for options increases the more successful you are. I call my lawyer about the stupidest, simplest things. And I, he's like, why do you bother me? I said, because I have too much to lose, mm-hmm. right? To where, mm-hmm. I, you know, 15 years ago, maybe I didn't. But you want to have options that increase as your success increases. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think these days, it's, it's more easy than ever to become successful. So you might as well do that and then build your options. Yeah. And I have one last question related to your personal story. I told you before that I read your blog uh, since 10 years ago. And back then you were, you know, traveling to different countries, writing articles, sharing information. And nowadays you have this business lines like a plan B, second passport, you know, diversification for seven, eight figure entrepreneurs. Looking back, what kind of like best practice or the success factors you want to share with the audience that how you go how did you go from back then to where you are now when with your business well again i think that to 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 learn you have to do and so you know what my premise is to people is you know don't get a second passport from someone who doesn't have a second passport or who doesn't have it for the same reasons that you do i mean you can call a swiss guy you know if you're a chinese person why are you calling a swiss guy to learn about second passports uh, i know some of these people and you know it's just a game to them but i actively do it and you know what i do i learn and so when I tell you it's a hassle to fill the paperwork, I know what it's like and I've been through it. I've made the mistakes. Um, you know, I've had banks for our business that have been, you know, nasty from time to time um, and I've had to move things around. Um, I've, I've experienced a lot of this stuff and I hope to experience a lot more. And, you know, unsuccessful people says, would say, oh, well, you know, that means you failed at something. Well, you know, maybe I did it for that moment and I learned how to fix it. And now I help other people avoid the same mistake. And so I look at that as a success. And in the same way, you know, how do you become successful? It was a lot of intuition. A lot of the mistakes I made from a business perspective over the years was, you know, not following your gut and letting that bad seed stick too long in your company or, you know, not taking the deal or taking the deal you shouldn't have or whatever. So I think that you need to hone your intuition by doing as much as possible, failing as much as possible. Um, you know, it's not to say that now, obviously, we don't do a lot of R&D, we don't do a lot of, you know, proactive planning. Um, but I think that, you know, when you're putting stuff together, like before we offer it to the public, we're going out there and we're seeing where the failure points are. And I think that's what you have to do in business and in life. I mean, you don't date and marry the first person. And, you know, I see people in these countries that get married at 18 years old. It so often doesn't miss out. It's, it's devastating. Uh, you don't just go out and just, you know, you got to fail uh, at everything very interesting so do you have any other questions for him matt well um no i think uh covered it pretty well and uh super interesting and thank you so much for your time always my pleasure to be with you very happy to talk to you thanks guys